So intro. Intro work. First time. Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. And my name is Emily, and we're here today with Greg Gilmore. Hi, Greg. Good morning. Good morning. Um, if you, uh, where, where do you think people are most likely to know you from? Uh, Mother Labone, I would have, yes, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, listeners, Greg was the drummer for Mother Love Bone and a bunch of other projects, kind of Seattle rock, uh, legends. So that's really, really exciting for us, as most of our listeners know. Uh, Andrew and I are both based in, based in Seattle. So thank you so much for, for joining us bright and early on a, a Sunday morning as we record this. <laughs> oh, thanks for the invitation. Had my coffee, a treat. I'm ready. Nice. So um, let's let's kick it off. Uh, Andrew, what's new with you? You have a different background. I do have a different background, and this one isn't nearly as interactive, but much easier to clean up. This is actually – I'm now touching my background. It's a green screen. <laughs> Poser. <laughs> I, got I, can still, I can still interact oh, with mine. That's pretty great. All these guitars are literally right here next to me, but the angle with the way that my desk is set up, um, I've been recording what for a few months now with uh, my camera over here and just a weird side, a- side angle where you can see my laundry room and whatnot, see the cats going in and out to uh, the bombard box my area. The litter box area that has a tendency to bombard my senses. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I picked up the green screen from a coworker a couple weeks ago, finally got it set up and. Yeah, no, it's it's neat. It, I think my favorite part of it has to be I, I don't have to clean my room anymore, uh, much to the chagrin of Melissa. That's pretty cool. So it is. It's a photo. It's just a photograph of a wall that's to your left. Yep, just a photograph of the wall that's right next to me. If I just turn, are you turn it off? Oh, oh wait, there Ooh. we go. <laughs> Whoops. Now, you, now uh, you're in San Diego. Now I'm in San Diego at sixty cycle hum, and then. Uh, well, I guess now you can see the the area that's all black is actually green. I've just got it chroma keyed out. So there we yeah. are. That's uh, <laughs> a little bit of fun that I've been having. Yeah, good for you. I'm glad that you had fun with that. <laughs> so what's what's the former office now that it's not an office anymore? Um, I'm sorry. What's the question? What? Uh, so never mind. Greg, what's new with you? Well, I don't have a green screen. That's all real. <laughs> is that a CD collection back there? How do I turn this that way? It is, yeah. Oh, oh look nice. at that. And what's left of what used to be a lot of vinyl. Yeah. Last time we moved, I was like, "Damn, I miss I miss just having a lot of CDs and not a lot of vinyl records because they are easier to move than vinyl." Yeah, you know, I realize CDs are not really cool, but I actually I enjoy I appreciate them in many ways. The, the yeah. portability and days, and they yeah. and uh, also a bit of contrary. I suppose I think they sound fine. I think they sound good. I, I still buy CDs when, um, especially if it's something I want to listen to in my car. Cause I, though I can connect 
the phone to the Bluetooth to the radio. I, <laughs> I'm never going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, um, same for me. I would, I'll buy CDs if, uh, if it's something I want to have. I haven't, I've, it took me quite a while to come around to paying for a streaming service, but I've been yeah. absorbed now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, even if I have something, a CD or a record, if I'm sitting on my couch, it's so much easier to just beam it to my stereo Flip. on my phone. But, uh, sure. Flip around, yeah. But the uh, paying, like buying MP3s, I, I can't go there. Yeah, I can't imagine. It, it's just, it seems, it's not a, it's not a thing. I did it's it. Not, it doesn't feel like ownership. It doesn't feel like having the thing at all. Yeah, yeah. I and apparently, it, it really isn't because you can't you can't will your digital MP3 collection to somebody. Like right. it's. And I feel like that's a pretty clear indicator that it's not really ownership. It's just like a long-term rental. I bequeath you this thumb drive. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. You get my digital collection. (laughs) The whole of it. Really leans heavily into the mid-2000s indie rock. Hope hope you still like MGMT. Best thing I did with all the uh, iTunes gift cards I got from birthdays and whatnot was uh, purchase Logic off the App Store. (laughs) I, just, I, just, I like having I like having physical CDs on the other side of the green screen. I've got my CD collection. Um, it's not nearly as large as that, but it's, it, it'll get there eventually. Uh, I just like having yeah. Like I like having the physical copy. I've got the hi-fi system over here. Just yeah. set it into the tray and yeah. Oh yeah. I prefer Don't it that way. Hi-fi. Don't worry. Time will fill up your precious space. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. You know, I remember my dad used to to he had a big baseball hat collection. He would keep them in like a milk crate. And I remember once he was like, oh, you know, I, you think about hats is you buy one a year, and then next thing you know, you have like fifty hats. Yes, <laughs> like like red like Cincinnati <laughs> Reds caps. Or, or uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Feel the same way about guitar pedals right now. <laughs> it's all the same. Anything a thing is a thing. Hey, does that thing is a thing. my furnace just came on and it's loud here? Is it? Is I it can't hear it? the furnace. No, I don't think. No, no, I think we're good. Okay. Well, nice. <clears throat> well, Emily, yeah. what's new with you this week? Well, I have some new friends that you're going to be very jealous of, Andrew. Uh-oh. You're going to be very jealous of these walrus. Is it Mako? Because I've been calling it Mako series petals. I think it's Mako based on the Mako, Mako shark. But what the fuck do I know? <laughs> so these are uh, I have the three Mako. That's how you pronounce the name Mako. of that shark. I, I think so. I've got. I've also got a friend named Mako, so that might be what's uh, coloring right. the way that I pronounce it's that the shark. Oh yeah, it is. That's a neat graphic. graphic. It is. Yeah, it's different than the other graphics um, on the on the old one, the the D one. I think oh, yeah. the new graphics a lot better. Totally um, and agree. I, yeah. So uh, I filmed the demos for all of these yesterday, and they're good. They're really good. They're really very versatile. Um, I don't think 
I don't think the so this ACS one is an amp cab simulator in a box. It sounds really nice, but I don't think it's going to replace the Iridium for what I use it for. But uh, I, it's got MIDI. I've heard that the Fender model mm-hmm. is pretty on par with the Iridium Fender model, but the Vox model sounds worlds apart. This is from what everything I've been told. I like the Vox model with the Fender or the Marshall cab because they're just a little bit darker, and I find Vox to sound really brittle in general. Sure. It's like, so I'll play a Vox model, and I'll think, I don't like this at all, and then I remember, I just don't like Vox amps. I, I'm slowly coming around on them. For, I mean, over the last five years, I'm finally starting to get there. Appreciate the sound. Ben. Is it just like the... The ears die a little bit, so you can't hear the band as much. Uh, that that could be it. Um, for the for the listeners that that might not remember, I've only mentioned this a handful of times. But my first instrument's actually drums. Which to that end, it's great to have a drummer on the show. <laughs> you can talk about drums. Oh god! And then he stops talking about drums just like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. I, I my first instrument was drums. I picked it up when I was a, when I was a kid and grew up listening to um, a whole bunch of stuff. It just I, I remember sitting in the garage and listening to to grunge albums and trying to play through as best as I could, just along. So, I uh, to that well, end, it's super exciting to have you. I'm I'm very stoked to have you on the to? show. Uh, a lot of Pearl Jam, a lot of Nirvana. Uh, let's see here, Jane's Addiction was a was always a, a tough one for me to wrap around as a, as a rookie drummer. Mm-hmm. So those are the sorts of things that my dad would just slip me behind my mom's back. <laughs> oh, your dad was into it? Yeah, my dad was into it. Um, definitely. Uh, so he had all those CDs on his rack and that someday I would like to inherit those. <laughs> Why don't you just buy them? Yeah, I could probably do that. He does have a a, a um, vinyl press of Bleach, Nirvana's first record, on pink marble. And one of these days, I'm like, hey, oh, if cool. you're not gonna if you're not gonna listen to that, I'll uh, take that off your hands. Who was the, the the second guitarist? Chad, Jason, 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 Jason Everman, Jason. Yeah. yeah, I know his sister. I like her a lot, Mimi. Giving her a shout out. Hey, Mimi. I don't know if she listens. From her beautiful um, farm and. Well, I'll try Townsend. not to get. I'll try not to jump the gun too far. Um, but I did just listen to the to the 1982 record and the drum sound. Ph- phenomenal on that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So. Thank you. Yeah, I was I was listening to that, thinking the drums are really good. <laughs> I was listening to it again this morning. I'm like, oh yeah. I always forget. I feel like. When it comes to like punk records, I'm always like, the drums are really good. Everything else is sometimes good. <laughs> and not, not on, not on the, the Living's record, but just in general, sometimes I listen to punk and I'm like, as I feel like you can't fake it with the drums the way some people could kind of fake it with guitar and bass. You have to really hit those things. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. You can't get away mm-hmm. with much. Mm hmm. Um, Cause it's, yep. yeah, you can't, there's not, not much to hide behind. No, that's true. Um, awesome. Well, I, I, normally we, we do a, a lot of chit chat, but I, I feel like it'd be fun to really just kind of 
get into the record, get into everything. But um, before we thank our sponsors, I do want to point out that um, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, if you could like, subscribe, review. Review is really helpful, uh, free to do, free way to support the show and the channel. Uh, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash getoffset. So if you want to support us uh, at the $5 and above level, you get access to our super secret Discord server. And uh, you get to do things like watch watch our videos, some of our video content early, um, get input on topics, questions we might ask guests, and uh, fun fun stuff like that. We also have a website, getoffsetpodcast.com. If you throw the slash shop at the end of that, we have some, some merch. So if you for some reason want a hat that says Get Offset or a onesie for your baby that says Get Offset. We make and sell those. Recommend I don't know why I thought that would be a good idea. <laughs> How are, is the onesie only come in baby sizes or is this something I could look for? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know if the website has like full human body suit I don't type think situations. it does. We should fix that, though. <laughs> we should fix that. <laughs> I sent the drummer for chart from Charlie Bliss to get offset onesie when when he and his fiance had a baby. <laughs> I never heard back about it. <laughs> oh no! I think I sent it. I'm like, I don't know why I thought this uh, would be a good idea to make these onesies, but I have them. So here's one. <laughs> sending unsolicited onesies. Suppose that's yeah. not the worst unsolicited thing one could send, but oh, that's true. The worst is advice. Um, <laughs> cool. So. <laughs> Do you want to thank our uh, sponsor, Andrew? Yeah, I'll, I'll thank our sponsor real quick. I want to thank Lambertones Pickups, based out of Yakima, Washington. And uh, Curtis is a friend of mine, friend of the show. He makes phenomenal guitar pickups. If you're in the market for upgrading your tone, 100% recommend. Go check it out. You won't be disappointed. Nice. That was a good spot. Short and sweet. Well done. I know. I like I like to ramble sometimes because I do like Curtis and like to talk about what a cool guy he is and his cool stuff, but I'll keep it short this time. Cool. Nice. So, um, let's talk a little bit about, um, what brought Greg onto our show. Um, so as we mentioned, Greg was in, he drummed for, um, mother love bone. That's a seminal Seattle rock band. Um, really, really well respected and appreciated. Um, you also were in a band with, um, Duff McKagan from from Guns N' Roses back in I assume 1982 <laughs> called mm-hmm. The Living. So yeah. um you were it sounds like you were going do you want to tell us a little bit about how you found these recordings and how they sort of um came to life and how you all decided to re- release them for I assume the first time? Yes, the, the first, first time in a long time. The first time ever. Um <clears throat> Uh, it's a it's a project that's been <clears throat> in the works for uh, I don't know it's eight years maybe this started. Wow. Um. Oh God, how to be succinct about this? It's, <laughs> it's the let's see, uh, one, two, three, sort of four. Oh, it's. This is how you count it. Four. Um, <clears throat> it's the fourth. The it's loose crew with uh, Regan and Stone. That's the fourth label that have been interested in this 
record. Uh, I started with the bands, um, had a manager at the time, uh, he was also a big fan. He liked these recordings as we all did uh, since they were made. He had some encounter with a couple of kids from <clears throat> Portland who were wanting to, uh, or they already, they were either already doing it or wanted to start up a boutique record label. And so there came the idea to, for them to, uh, make a record out of this seven tunes. And, um, for reasons that didn't work out. And then through another friend of mine, ironically also in Portland, uh, he hooked us up with another deal and, uh, that was happening until for reasons it wasn't. And then, um, I went, <clears throat> spent an afternoon, uh, with my old friends at Sub Pop. And that was happening, and then it wasn't, and then uh, Regan and Stone came along, and now it's happening. Uh, nice. The tape, the, the, the original eight, it's a old eight track, multi track. The tapes have been sitting in, uh, they were in John Conti's custody all this time. So when the, nice. when the first deal came up, um, we just had them digitally transferred and like got the files and, and mixed mm -hmm. the record myself. Mm -hmm. um, oh, wow. I have, I guess I have been the one sort of spearheading this thing for all these years. Yeah. And so relieved that it's finally happening and I don't can stop now. I can just, it's already. <laughs> This this situation is bigger than any of the others would have been. Uh, it's already yeah. got more attention than I uh, expected that it would, and so now um, I just get to hang out and talk about it and wait and watch to see uh, see what happens with it. Yeah. Curious. Yeah. So it's it's. It's going to be released in like three weeks or a month. It's uh, mid-April. 16th, I think, I think. right? <clears throat> that, sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just shy of four weeks from now. Three yeah. and a half weeks yeah. when this episode comes out. That's coming up quick, especially yeah. in, in the quick. world of last year where time just no longer exists. Yes. It's a big right. imagination. Right. Uh, no, that, that's super blink exciting. And it'll be, we're going to blink and it'll be May. Right. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's already, yeah. yeah, I'm already having that experience with March that we're most of the way through. <laughs> yeah, Mar March, March can, March can end. I'm not a, not a fan of this March, but it doesn't care. This one in particular wants. or March's? In general, <laughs> uh, it's it's not a great month for my allergies. Oh yeah. Mm. So just yeah, March in general. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's really interesting to listen to to older records like this, especially records that that 
did feature people who would, you know, come to prominence within this supposed like grunge scene or other rock scenes. I so I, it really is uh this this interesting stepping stone because we think about um Andrew especially thinks about grunge. Grunge is a genre and <laughs> and just like how how these Bands that became so huge and so prominent affected so many of us. There, they didn't just—they weren't just birth fully formed like Athena from from Zeus's head. There were stepping stones, and there were uh, projects that, if they didn't exist, who knows exactly what would have happened uh, with with the rest of um, the scene and the bands that and how they came to be <laughs> so it, it's really cool to, to listen to these things that maybe otherwise never would have been released i think that we all have these bands that we like and we would love absolutely love to hear more of the the people who were behind it so i think that's really i think a lot of people are going to be really excited and have a lot of fun fun with this record yeah yeah we'll see i don't know I don't know what to expect. It's, um, it has a quality of things that I like, <laughs> that I wish, I would like to imagine the things I'm involved in. It just, it's, it's, I think it's really good. So that makes it easy to put it out into the world and, yeah. No, it's. Just, a, I, I really enjoyed the record. See what happens. No, I think it's a great record, and I. I think what's striking to me is you guys were so young when you recorded this. I mean, yeah. How I know Duff McKagan was seventeen. How old were you? Um, I must have been twenty. Wow. I don't know if Duff. Um. Duff had a birthday. He might have been. He might have turned to eighteen by the time we recorded. Mm. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Yeah, we were seventeen or eighteen to twenty. Eighties. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely better than the music I was making when I was seventeen, eighteen. Um, I getting. I'm now getting flashbacks to a terrible talent show that I did with my my high school band, Rainy Thursdays, that went absolutely nowhere. But. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but, those are uh, some of the best memories. The talent shows. Oh God! Yes, memories. Uh, uh, some best remembered, some best forgotten. <clears throat> it's, it's hard to say, but I mean, you're yeah. you're coming back around listening to this album decades after it was recorded, listening to this youthful angstiness that you guys just put on tape. Mm-hmm. What is that like for you to revisit that decades later and um, ensure you've gone through the, the process of a few different labels and finally come around to working with Stone on getting this released um, or working with Stone to get this released, which is uh, which has got to be a great experience for you. Uh, talk about Seattle royalty. But uh, I mean, how, what is this like for you listening back to this? I mean, having mixed it from the digital um, digitals uh, conversions and revisiting that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not, there's not, it doesn't feel so much like revisiting. It was, um, it was, it was very familiar and still 
pretty fresh in my mind. I mean, I, I really, this was the, f- this was the first real multi-track recording I had ever done as a musician. Um, and it turned out really good. And so it, everything about it, the, the sound and the feel of it was pretty, pretty well embedded in my memory. And, um, so when it, it, you know, pulling up the tape, there were no surprises, I guess, or it didn't even sound that new to me, or I wasn't even reminded of much because I still was so familiar with it. Yeah. It, it was something I, I just, uh, I just loved it so much from the time we made it, you know, that I just, that I had carried it with me all those years. You know, it was always there yeah. somewhere, even though, um, you know, I had long, the, the, the one, the cassette copy I had of it was long and listenable. I still knew what, I still knew what it sounded like. Yeah, as someone who recorded, I recorded an EP in college, and now like ten years later, I I still go back to listen to it. I'm like, I'm proud of that. I'm proud uh, of what it was. I I still like it. There are definitely things I would have done differently, but um, it really does for me. I I can relate having that. It's not even nostalgia for me when I go back to listen to older music I wrote. It's just. I'm proud of it. I liked it then. I like it now. And I think that if nothing else, um, if no one else listens to the music I create, if I create something that I personally like, I feel like it was a success. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the feeling I have had with this. And the, to say that it, uh, it's not a feeling of nostalgia. I know what you mean. Cause that's, um, <clears throat> I guess that's what I meant when I said it was still kind of, current to me like there were no surprises and and so yeah listening to it isn't so much uh you know a wistful feeling of mm-hmm. I feel like nostalgia has to have those little pings of sadness I feel yeah. like that's just a little bit of melancholy or something. in the word yeah yeah like oh those were the days or yeah. some other feelings <laughs> yeah all yeah, this, <clears throat> this is not that way for me so much. It's still just, I, I think it's as cool as I always said I ever did. And that's kind of all there is to it. And it really sounds good. It doesn't sound like a demo. And, you know, I, I feel like with early 80s recordings, sometimes the tape quality, there were struggles. We, were, we just had, um, was it Steve who was on the show, Andrew, who was yeah. talking about early 80s, late 70s tape and how it would just shed. You couldn't make it enough, but this was recorded on an 8-track, eight, eight you said? Yeah. 8-track tape? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It sounds really good. Yeah, the recording, it was well done. Yeah. For sure. So there was Do you remember where it was recorded? I'm sure oh, the studios are different, but... Yeah. Um, you familiar with American music? Oh, yeah. Yes. I used to live right up the block from there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the um, and the sort of uh, wing that side of the building that is now the drum shop. Yeah, yeah. that was the studio. That was the studio. That was it. That's cool. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I've been there a hundred times. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've walked right through exactly <laughs> where that space is to check out the drums. Yeah, that was it. That, that door they keep closing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that a reference to noise? Yeah, they would. Uh, I just remember being in there and I'd be looking at the guitars, and all of a sudden you're like, and then the right after you'd hear the door, running over and closing the door, like, no. And then it starts to sound like, yes. Exactly. Man. And then store staff inevitably apologizes for it. and I really like that store. One of the reasons I like that store is because the amps are all in a different room, unlike a guitar center where you go in and it's just like a thousand people noodling in this big open space and it's all bouncing off the walls. And uh, I like American music that it's just like, you got to go through there. You got to close the door. All the amps can fight with each other. (laughs) I feel like every time I'm trying out a reverb puzzle uh, pedal, there's somebody else trying out a big muff. Like (laughs) full volume. (laughs) That like place a split is, smells like a big mop. <laughs> that place is an institution. I did, it's been yeah. there since the beginning of time, as far as I know. I don't. That's just <laughs> remarkable that it's still there. Yeah, it's like since 1962 or something. Could be my <laughs> first experience with that place. 73. Seriously? 73, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes wow. sense. It had to be um, late seventies. The first time I went there, became aware of it. Um, yeah, it's just remarkable and great that they're still there. Yeah, yeah, I, I really <laughs> have a, a very intense love and have since childhood for uh, independent music stores i always felt like the people there were better than yeah. going no offense andrew who worked at a guitar center but no offense taken yeah uh, the guitar center every time they're gonna assume i'm not the customer but uh <laughs> <laughs> especially if i go with my husband <clears throat> oh it's a great feeling um yeah andrew what questions you got what do you want to talk about oh i've got <sighs> I've got a lot of questions of curiosity, some of which might be answered, some of which I understand not getting answers for. But I, I, I'm just so curious to pick your brain on this. So, I mean, so you guys record this record, and it sounds great. It never gets released. And then you you and Duff go to a 10-minute warning, right? Yeah. Duff went first <clears throat> and played drums. And then they made some oh, really? some changes after, I don't know, it could have been very long. Weeks, months, short months. You know how <laughs> time in retrospect so condensed. Um, but yeah, he went to play drums and then they invited me to come play drums. And he started playing guitar. Uh, so anyway, yes, go on. So, I mean, so that happens, and then you guys move down to L.A., which is – I used to live in L.A. as well. And, I mean, what was what was that like to go from this record that so clearly – like there's a very primal human connection that it just 
very apparent listening through the record. I mean, that's you guys are bearing your heart and soul in that and then moving on to the next project so fast. Well, at the time, it didn't, um, you know, it didn't seem like we we're moving on to something so fast, you know, like, um, Uh, at that age, it's just what you just, what you do, you know, the living, I'm working this out with the aid of, uh, Kurt Block and his, some calendars or some kind of, some documentation dated that he had. And the living apparently lasted until, I must've joined in um, January, say, of Mm -hmm. 82. And, um, by, we played our, our last show in July and it probably just in, I don't know, I don't remember weeks, short weeks, a couple weeks, <laughs> you know, then <clears throat> what was probably really was just a couple of weeks when you think about it, it's, you know, oh yeah, it's months, but no. I'm sure it was just a couple of weeks before we we called it quits. Um, and why? Who knows why? Just because we came to that point, maybe where I don't know. So it's not so fun right now. So let's just do something else. Because that's how you sure. do yeah. things when you're 20. You know. Um, yeah. And so uh, then moving on to. To Tim and a warning, it doesn't. Um, you see, already it, it's. It only you. You would only use expressions like that when you're talking about history and you're and you're telling the story of history. But while you're just doing stuff that you do every day with your friends, you didn't think of. Hmm, okay, we're going to go ahead and end this thing. Now let's make document that and uh, then we're going to move on to our next project you know it wasn't sure it's just Mm -hmm. just a bunch of guys kind of doing the stuff that they do with no longer view than you know the rest of this day or maybe the end of the week yeah so and I think the thing that's thing a lot of people do is is try a bunch of projects and see see what sticks, what works. I mean, yeah, it's that's the time to be experimenting and trying new things too. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> even that, you know, while you're doing, it, you're not you that's don't not. At least I wasn't, and as far as I could tell, the rest of us weren't feeling like well, we're we're um, experimenting with. We're going through the experimental phase of life now and, and looking for uh, something that's, that will stick. Just <laughs> yeah. more um, it's, you're, uh, you just just winging it, just day by day, yeah. kind of doing whatever <laughs> seems whatever seems fun right now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Duff starts playing drums with these guys, and then they decide they want a, another drummer, and Duff's going to play guitar. So I 
come over and start playing and that's a thing for yeah um i don't know a year a year and a half or so before duff and i left to go to la mm-hmm. so the reason why oh, i asked that question so is go ahead andrew so the reason why I, I, I'm asking these questions is part of the, the appeal of listening back to 1982 now is kind of just seeing this kind of a, a, an earmark on the history of Seattle rock and proto grunge and uh, punk and just getting a feel for what the scene was and kind of listening to some of the origins is that would have influenced or given us a window into what the music scene was like at that point. And so I guess the point of me asking some of these questions is to dig in a little bit and just get a little bit more of the context, just direct yeah. from the source. Yeah. Um, it, and so I, to that end, I guess my next question is, so you record this album and then over the next few years of, of projects, um, including Mother Love Bone and seeing your other former bandmates go on to other projects as well. I mean – I guess it's got to be – I see it looking back um, from my perspective as you guys are kind of pioneers t- to a large extent uh, and influences for a lot of the other bands that were up and coming um, that also rose to prominence. And what does that feel like for you and watching uh, bands like Guns N' Roses take off, watching the Seattle grunge scene take off? I just – it's a very open-ended question but would love to hear your thoughts on that. Um. Uh, wow. I don't know what, uh, it's fun to see my friends, I guess, uh, you know, go on to other or have such successes in their endeavors. Um, I don't, um, It, um, yeah, I don't really, th- I don't think a lot about it, sort of. It's just, um, like, it's just normal. I don't know if that makes sense. It's just normal to me. That's sort of uh, like, well, of course, or, <laughs> sure. or yeah, they're, people are doing what they do. I don't know. Um, it doesn't. It's great, and at the same time, it doesn't matter so much to me. I mean, uh, yeah, that that they're my friends. I'm happy for them. Happy about it, I guess. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I know it seems like kind of weird, <laughs> almost nothing. But I don't. Um, I I don't have a, much of a philosophical perspective on that. I guess. Yeah. But, um, I uh, I could say. I was surprised. I maybe that's one thing I could. I was surprised, a little bit surprised when, not so much the GNR thing, but the, the Seattle-based bands 
Um, and maybe I'm thinking a lot of Nirvana that it they blew up like they did. Sure. Um, because, you know, at that time, right at that moment, that was a pretty big deal, if you recall, that that kind of suddenly, whoa, that music previously was not pop music. Right. Yeah. I think Um, that was probably the first, like the heaviest music that was actually heavy and gritty and not like hair metal to, to do well in so long. And Nirvana kicked Michael Jackson from the chart, the top of the charts. Yeah. That was kind of the the first thing that sounded like, wow, you could kind of call that punk rock and what's going on. It's all over the radio. Suddenly it made a certain, a certain thing. Okay. That hadn't been before. Yeah, because occasionally you'd see, like, the replacements on Saturday Night Live or something, but number one record? Yeah. I don't think that was – I don't even know if that was possible back then because that was around the time SoundScan was introduced and they took a more mathematical versus a guesstimate approach to the charts. Right. Based on sold versus shipped. Right, right. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I, uh, it's very interesting. To, like I, I actually studied music business in college, so we we did talk about talk about that quite a bit and the different factors that led to um, this music really really taking off, especially in the '90s, because it was the first time that it happened in a very long time. Yeah, well, I mean, it was zero to sixty in three point two seconds. I mean, that was. Yeah. A, it, Explosion seems like the the right word there, and I guess my curiosity as a drummer myself, uh, in listening to to some of your records, and as I'm listening through to the style that you had, and the st- the the sorts of drum styles that would have been heard throughout Seattle and the years upcoming to the Seattle grunge uh, outbreak, is I, I, I'm hearing a lot of the same things that I would have heard later from like Dave Grohl and some other drummers that. Um, stepping away from guitar from a, for drums. I mean, I, I think it seems very clear to me listening in that your drumming influenced so much of that sound. And I think that's really neat. And I guess, is that something you've thought on or really taking credit for? I'm... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, um, in general, uh, though I don't, it's not all grunge bands sound the same for, for starters. So I'm not <laughs> right. this, is, this is my not argument. Sh- I always argue that grunge isn't a genre. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what the rest of the world like is talking it. about when they talk about <laughs> grunge bands. But to the extent that there is such a thing, and what I, how I interpret that was that. This, what was happening in Seattle was a certain kind of infusion of of the hard rock into the punk rock, and yeah. I, I can say I definitely that's how that's how I played it. That's how I heard it. I, I was never really thought of myself as a punk rocker, um, but I definitely listened to more than my share of. Ian Pace and Deep Purple. So, yeah, that's that's what I was playing. 
So that's you'd say that that influenced your your drumming more than like these New York punk bands, probably. Totally, totally. I don't. Nice. Yeah, there wasn't. Um, in terms of um, playing, you know, like a player's kind of playing, not that much of it coming from punk rock. So much. Cool. Yeah. So um, I know we, we've talked about um, the Seattle rock scene kind of in the early 80s and the early 90s. Uh, do you have any thoughts on like what the Seattle rock scene music scene is doing doing today? Is there anything in it that you're really excited about? Or do you feel like it's kind of fizzled in, in certain ways? Yeah, you know, sadly, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Um, Sad. It's maybe. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I don't. Um, I I don't pay. The, I don't know that. I don't pay that much attention to what's happening. Yeah. Right now, and I don't go out so much. Um. Well, nobody does anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, especially for the last year. Uh, yeah. My more, and though I cannot name much, I'm more interested to me. It's the Seattle has a, a kind of a cool jazz thing going on that seems more interesting to me. It's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. Experimental thing, for lack of a better word. Catch all. Yeah. Yeah. I can Um, roll with that. Yeah. Yeah. Rock music. I don't, I mean, I don't even, I, I don't listen to that much played all rock music. Of course, I still love it. You know, it's, uh, part of what I am, but I don't, it's not when you get up in the morning and throw on the stereo (laughs) or the YouTube music. As it were. <laughs> nice. That's fair. Um, if you don't mind, I, I do have a couple questions from our Patreon supporters. Uh, they just kind of threw out there. And uh, one is from our Patreon supporter, Noah. And he says, quote, I want to know what sort of weird experimental percussion shit you like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you like any weird experimental percussion shit? <laughs> Uh, yes, not, um, not a, a lot of focus on percussion specifically for me, but, uh, there's a band, they are Austrian and it's been a while since they made a new record a band called Radian. Radian? Yeah, that's good shit. That's nice. Um, Oh, jeez, right now, that's the most sort of out. Just interesting. Otherwise, um, you know, a lot of Indian music, Moroccan music, Middle Eastern stuff I'm into quite a bit. 
Um, mm-hmm. Been playing a lot of bass in recent years. Cool. So, uh, and I <laughs> that hasn't necessarily led me to a um, couple records I've been listening to. It seems now for a year or two, <laughs> constant rotation. There's a Bill Lasso yeah. record that's mostly him by himself. And uh, Jonas Helberg, another bass player. Okay. Nice. But, uh, yeah, for more sort of experimental stuff, the radiant kind of thing that comes to mind probably anything else. Awesome. Uh, big Radiohead fan. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, another question we had was, are there really cool instruments that you don't get to use much, but you like to play around with constantly? Or instruments, noisemakers, any fun stuff that you wish you could shoehorn into a project, but haven't oh. been able to? No, because if I wanted to, I would. Respect <laughs> <laughs> that answer. That's all, That's, there is. That's all there is to that. There is, there is no proper or or improper place for anything, you know. You just nice play it, make it happen. So, uh, but uh, something that I do play a lot, but don't end up um, incorporating into much recording is displaying uh, countertops and steering wheels. <laughs> you know, whatever's at hand. Daily yeah. life. Oh, I drive my coworkers nuts uh, doing the exact same thing. I'll just mindlessly be at my desk at work thinking about something. I'm just tapping away, just yeah. not even realizing it. Either with my fingers or with my feet clacking on the floor. Uh, yeah. It, it's incessant. Man, I'm glad I don't work in an office. <laughs> with him? Just in general, with someone like that, <laughs> throw my Lacroix at you from across the room. Stop it! Uh, she already puts up up with me for an hour or two a week of podcasting. I think that's that's enough. Yeah. I think early in the podcast, it was, it was especially weird when we were audio only. Occasionally, you would like hit the desk or something. Oh yeah, like, oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't know what the hell's going on over there. You're like, I will yeah. kill you. Stop it! You are making this an editing hell for me. <laughs> Sometimes he'll scream into the microphone. It's like, is too. someone like, knocking it, on my Andrew. door? Or yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll have no idea that I'm doing it. Just completely. Yeah, that's you're right. That's the yeah. thing, isn't it? That you're just doing it all the time and often not even really aware of it. It's, it's just yep. We were interviewing someone, and their jewelry kept hitting their microphone. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I think we saw the interview. We're like, are you wearing a necklace or a bracelet or something? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a great interview, though. That was really fun. Other than like editing, I'm like, mute when they're not talking. Duck yep. audio. <laughs> yeah. Duck 25 decibels. <laughs> it was very loud. <laughs> very loud. Well, well um, 
Thank you so much for, for joining us on this early, early Sunday morning. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, the killing, I'm, gosh, I'm sorry. That's a TV Delivery. show I like. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. The opposite of the killing. <laughs> that's my next, that's my, wait till you see what I dig up next. <laughs> killing the living no uh the killing i was i was reading one of patty smith's memoirs and she keeps talking about how much she likes the killing that tv show that was based in seattle for a while and i remember thinking of all the shows that patty smith is really into it's the killing well, i, <laughs> like, I watched that show when was that it's, a thing oh gosh um probably like 2015 2016 oh yeah that's they had three know. or four seasons Including one, I think, was just on Netflix or something. But uh, it was one of those shows where they made the mistake of, like, you think that they're going to solve this crime at the end of the first season. And then there's this big, stupid red herring. And you're like, <laughs> I think wait, people- there's more. Yeah, I think sometimes <laughs> you, you do those cliffhangers. And you think they're going to be good and cool and fine. And then sometimes people just really respond badly to them. And people responded really badly to um, a cliffhanger at the end of season one and just didn't come back for season two. Oh, no. Yes, yes. Um, so The Living, <laughs> 1982 by The Living, <laughs> I, I fucking knew I was going to do that, um, is out on <laughs> April 16th on which what's the record label oh my lord loose groove it's a new, yeah it's a new imprint right is it new loose groove not brand new i think recently returned <clears throat> oh, um this right. was um kind of stone it was kind of or totally stones project from uh i guess now quite a ways back and they step out yeah. for 30 seconds deal with the kiddo hang on a second all right <laughs> like yeah, uh, did they do the f- did they do the first Queens of the Stone Age they did See, I think that's it goes back goes back to that and that was 88 wow no 98 98, 98 yeah. yeah I don't think that um, Josh Home is, homie is that old I don't know how old he is <laughs> I've never, I've actually never thought about it. I know, all I know about it is that his wife was young. Well, his, I guess, separated wife was like very young when she started dating the guy from Rancid, Tim Armstrong. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, she oh, was don't like know 16 or 17. Whoa. Yeah. She's kind of a badass. Uh, uh, yes. So sorry. We were talking about Brody Dahl and Josh Homie. I didn't know they separated. I had no idea. I didn't know they were together. Thing. I don't know who she. Well. I don't know anything. <laughs> but he, punk rock. He's just punk rock. He has to be not that far from my age. He was. Uh, yeah, was he he's not? he's only he's forty-seven. Oh. Oh. Oh well. When was <laughs> when was wasn't he part of Caius? Are you reading Wikipedia? Dead air. I don't. Oh. I don't see that. I don't see that one listed. He's got a ton of associated acts, though. Oh, Caius. Yeah, actually, he was. I'm sorry. That's right in there. 87 to 95. When he was 14 years old, he Whoa. formed a punk-influenced heavy metal band with schoolmates. 
Are you kidding me? Yeah. He was 14 during Caius? 14, yeah. Wow. Oh, that gives me a whole new perspective and respect. That's pretty cool. Wow. wow. Yeah. Huh. I did not know that. So that's why I thought he was my age. But he wasn't. All right. Cool. Um, I think that we actually need to wrap. Thank you so much for giving oh. us an hour of of your time. Um, Andrew, is there anything else you wanna you wanna end on? Um, <clears throat> I can't think of anything else. I need to drone on about unprompted. So. <laughs> Well, everybody listening, please, please check out the record, buy it in a physical format, ideally. And um, thanks for watching, Andrew. Thanks for listening. Thanks for understanding. Until next time, my name is Emily. My name is Andrew. Thanks for having and me. That's, uh, and that's Greg Gilmore. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye. One, two, three. Bye-bye.